Hello and thank you for joining me on episode 25 of What Do You Know For Sure podcast. Today I am joined by Pauline Scott. I feel humbled and privileged to have been in this conversation with Pauline. We are talking about ending life with dignity and about Pauline's mum, about dementia and Alzheimer's. We're talking about that real struggle that exists for many families for many people and what does that look like for the future. Pauline hadn't intended to talk about this when she first thought about the answer to this question, what do you know for sure, but decided that it was something that had to be said and I feel so honoured that she decided to say it with me. This, I have to say, is one of the most important interviews that I feel I've ever done in 130 odd radio shows and now 25 podcasts. This is a beautiful conversation and I am really honoured that I got to have this with Pauline. Thank you to Pauline for having it with me. So please have a listen and I hope that you take as much from it as I certainly did recording it. Pauline, thank you so much for joining me on What Do You Know For Sure podcast. It is a delight to be with you today, Anne. Uh-uh. Thank you for having me on. Oh, thank you. Tell us a wee bit about you. Okay, Anne, I am a 42-year-old Scottish woman mm-hmm. uh, who is on an ongoing journey of self-discovery, trying to improve my daily life, my relationships with myself, mm-hmm. with other people in my life. I am on a course of being a reformed perfectionist, Ah, nice. It's something I have struggled with most of my life, is to please people, is to show up perfect, um, and I continue to push myself out of my comfort zone, uh, knowing that sometimes I'll fail, knowing that sometimes I'll fall down, but I'm choosing courage over comfort. Nice. Uh, and that's an ongoing process for me, Anne. Uh-huh. I am a mum of two. My daughter, Claudia, is 16. My son, Aaron, is 12. I am a wife to Ian. And I am the Managing Director of Tigers, which is an organisation that exists to inspire and support people to develop their infinite potential. And we do that through a raft of delivery of personal and professional training and development programmes, including modern apprenticeships, pre-apprenticeship programmes, schools programmes. And I am the owner and founder of Lullaby Lane Nurseries. Mm-hmm. And Lullaby Lane Nurseries, we have two uh, in Bearside and Mogai, and we offer attachment-led childcare for children aged zero to five. You're busy. You're certainly busy, Pauline. <laughs> I'm a busy lady, <laughs> but it's all good stuff. Uh-huh. I am doing exactly what I think I'm meant to be doing. Now. Oh, well, isn't that a beautiful place to be in? It is, even though if you'd asked me or anybody had asked me when I was in school, at 16 years of age, what would you want to do? I would never have said this. I didn't even know that these were jobs. And I'm doing exactly what I'm meant to be doing. Well, isn't that beautiful? And therefore, with that knowledge, I can't wait to hear. What do you know for sure, Pauline? I know a number of things for sure. Uh, and I really thought about it hard before I came on. Uh, and, I t- and I thought a lot about intention mm-hmm. and the power of intention and how that uh, has really been a lesson in my life about why do I do the things that I do? Why do I make mm. the decisions that I do? And does it speak to a truth in me? Mm-hmm. And I was going to talk about that. And actually then I thought, ironically, 
it wasn't really speaking to my true intention. Ah. <laughs> so what I've decided that I wanted to talk about is what I know for sure is that everybody deserves to end their life with dignity. Mm. So they do. So tell us, what's what's behind that then? Okay, so, and I, and I wasn't going to talk about it because it's emotional and it's personal, but I decided it was one of the things that I don't hear enough being spoken about. Mm-hmm. My mother was diagnosed with Alzheimer's uh, four years ago, but she's probably presented for 10 years. Mm. And she's only going to be 69 in April. So she actually presented with the first signs of Alzheimer's before she turned 60. Mm. And I watched my mother now living a life that lacks dignity. That is not the life that she would want. And I think dementia is an epidemic. And we talk about COVID and the response that we've had to COVID. And we talk about finding vaccines because it's hitting everybody's life. And we've put all that resource and time into it. And I think it's getting harder now not to know somebody that has been impacted or know somebody that's been impacted with dementia. And it's an epidemic in our society. And it's only going to increase. And we need to think of ways of how we really uh, put money and resource into the research to finding a cure to this disease. And it's a disease um, that goes through a whole family. It's a disease that impacts the person. It's a disease that impacts the family, the loved ones, spouses, children. But most importantly, it's the individual's quality of life. Yeah. And we have, we've, that's now 10 years that we have had to try to find a way of living with Alzheimer's. My mum was in denial. That's why her diagnosis was so late. She was so scared. She did not have the courage to speak to anybody about it. I will never forget the day that I recognised that there was something wrong. And her and I were away on a Mother's Day trip down to Stobo Castle. And we were sitting around a table with other women. And she asked a question of one of the women sitting at the table. And then she asked the same question again. And then she asked it for a third time in a row. And she had no recognition that she'd done that. And I said to her, Mum, you just asked that question. And then I spoke to my dad when we came back and I said, Dad, is my mum repeating herself at all? And he said, why are you asking? Really defensive. Why are you asking? And I knew then that there had obviously been signs. And she was in denial for so long. And my dad was in denial. And because my dad has lived his life fixing everything for us. Any problem, my dad is a traditional male who looks after his family, especially the women in his family. He can fix everything. He can take away pain. That's what he believes. And actually, he tried to protect her, and she was scared. And they couldn't go and get the help and talk about it. And we were never able to talk about it as a family. Mm. So a decline, it, it was held in the family. It wasn't talked about. We weren't able to express how we were feeling about it. We weren't able to talk about those fears and get them outside of our body. And really in the last number of years, since she has been diagnosed, her decline is really quite rapid. So she now can no longer talk very well. Her language is incoherent. She needs daily care. She can't do any of her own personal care. And it is an illness that I would never have thought would have come into her 
world would never come into my, uh, certainly any of my parents. And I watch her and I know, knowing who she was so well, that she would hate the fact that people were doing all of that care for her, that she was relying on people so much. She was a very proud person. She was a very dignified lady. She was very graceful. Lots. She was extremely private. That was very, very important to her. And that's been robbed of her. And I think I would reflect to, I suppose, empathise if I can. Do you feel robbed of your mother as well? Very much so. And even, you know, I'm talking about being a mother of a teenager and a tween. And when I'm having all those moments of just being the mother of a teenage daughter and we have conflict as you do and you have arguments, I miss her so much in those moments because she would be the one person that would really understand. She would probably say it was karma right enough, but (laughs) she would understand. So there's so many times where she would be the person that I would talk to and she's not there. And she is the one person that I know would understand me. So there's a lot of loss there. Yeah. from having that relationship, there was a lot of having to come to terms that actually she wasn't there to be able to share some of the fears of life, uh, just to talk things through. Uh, she was a great friend to me. Yeah. She was a great confidant. We were so, so close. So it has been a probably 10 years of an ongoing bereavement yeah. and an ongoing grieving process. Mm-hmm. And, and one of the things that I question is, when she does eventually pass away, will that feel relief? Mm. Or will it have more sadness to it? And actually, in a way, and Anne, and this is a a difficult topic to talk about, is that I think actually the overriding feeling will be one of release. I can completely empathise. Uh-huh. I can understand that. I can understand that for you. If we go back to you saying that initially you were going to talk about intention, but what you know for sure is that you should be allowed to end your life with dignity. What is your, you've told us the story you've explained, but what is your intention in that statement there for? What does that ending your life with dignity look like to you? I think people should have choice. Hmm. I think people deserve to have the choice how and when they end their life. And I was raised Catholic. and My mother was a strong Catholic. Uh, and the belief is that nobody yeah. gets to take life. Mm-hmm. And that's a real strong belief of the church. And I know people will have very strong uh, personal views about it. I know they'll have very strong religious views about it. I would want to be able to choose mm-hmm. how I was to end life. I do not want to have 50, 60 years of trying to find happiness, contentment, continue to thrive, to then live another 10, 15 years of decline. Mm. in the most undignified way and so the problem I suppose now is a bigger one of consent your mum can no longer consent even if it was allowed to end her life she can no longer consent to that yep so if we look at and this is difficult obviously to ask you that this could be a hereditary thing yep how do you reflect that you would well you have the power to consent what would your choices be this was to show up in your life I'd want it to come to an end. I would want to have the choice of that. And I have to make plans to put that choice in place. Well, I still have cognition to do that. But I would want that to not be seen as something that comes with secrecy, stigma, 
that is something in our society that we can't talk about. Mm-hmm. I would want that to be an open discussion that I could have with my family, with my children, recognising that they would have feelings about it too, but understanding that actually I'm allowed to control my life, I'm allowed mm-hmm. to have choice in what my life looks like. And actually even thinking about my children, I would not want my children to to have to spend years and years going through the grief, the pain, the responsibilities, the care. I wouldn't want that for them. Mm. Mm -hmm. So I would want the choice of bringing my life to an end. And I suppose there's a there's an element of there's so much taboo. Like I'm sure your children are too young, but if you were to say even your children, I would imagine in ten years' time, I want us to talk about this. No, mum, we're not talking about it. Would probably be the response. So how do we begin as a society to be okay to talk about stuff that's actually really hard and really painful? Because it's so much better out there than in here. Isn't it? Hundred percent, totally. I'm, and actually, I think that's where I'm different from my mum, mm-hmm. because my parents didn't talk about the difficulties in life, yep. struggles in life. We were very much children don't need to hear that. Children should have a happy childhood. Children don't need the burdens of adult life. That was very much the way that my parents raised us, and it was with all the right intentions. But actually, you never find a way then to understand how you build resilience, you don't get to experience in difficulties in life. So one of the things my mum always struggled with Anne, was pain, seeing children's pain. And she would do anything to take it away. And just so I said about my dad, want to fix everything, take away pain. That's who they were as parents. They wanted to remove that. I've actually learned through more of my own self-discovery you have to have those feelings. You have to be allowed to have the negative emotions, the negative feelings. And actually, my job as a parent is not to take them away from my children. My job as a parent is to sit alongside them while they're experiencing the difficulties of life, the big emotions, the difficult things that will come up. And I can't control any of their pain or anything that's going to happen to them in life. So I think I'm much more able to have those more difficult conversations with my children because I'm much more open about it. Yeah. So even my mum's own illness, we talk about that quite openly. Right. My children and I discuss that. We discuss if it's sad, if I've cried. I I don't try and hide that. The way my mother would have hid that, I talk to them about it and I'll just tell them I'm having a really sad moment. I'm missing Gran. I can't talk to her about things that I'd like to talk to her about. And they can tell me mum it's really sad and we can talk quite openly about our emotions and feelings and I think that's a wider discussion Anne, around how probably my parenting has differed from my parents parenting yeah and I think when people reflect on their parents parenting to me I always of when you know better you do better they, let's assume your parents did the best the very best they knew how but absolutely. you see the world differently now don't you and that's absolutely mm-hmm. and actually about with regards to parents, Anne, and all the work we do at Lullaby Lane, parents are always doing their best. Yeah. Everybody is doing their best with the capabilities they have at that point. Yeah. And I truly believe that parents are operating from a place of love. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean that we don't get it wrong or that we don't make mistakes. Uh-huh. And that's perfectly fine. And I think that's that imperfect parenting is absolutely fine by me. 
but it's much more honest and it's much more open. So I think if it came to those even harder discussions, I think because I've been able to talk to my children about it as a younger, they've been able to see it, we've been able to talk about the difficulties that that's brought. I think it would be a more open conversation and a less shocking conversation within our family. Mm-hmm. It might still be a shocking conversation externally and in society, but it wouldn't be so much a shocking conversation internally. And so what is next then, Polly? You said, you know, you reflected that you're in a relationship with yourself, that you're always learning, it's all about new stuff. So with ending your life with dignity, what's next for you? So you said, you know, have I made my piece that it could be hereditary? And I have, I've had to think about that. Uh, And I spoke to, uh, we had a conference in Scotland in 2019 and Dr Gabor Matty came to that conference and I spoke to him about it. I would love to hear him speak. And it was absolutely fantastic. Um, And I got a chance to speak to him and spend some time with him and I told him about my mum's illness and I said to him, do you believe it's hereditary? And what he said to me was, well, Pauline, first of all, he said to me, Pauline, can I tell you who your mum was? You can tell me my mum. He said, did your mum spend her life worrying about everybody else? Did she put everybody else's needs before herself? Was she trying to control things that were out with her control? He said, did she ever practice self-care? No. He said, is anything I'm saying wrong? No, absolutely not. He said, okay. He said, so see if it is hereditary, what can you do about it? He said, but see if it's environmental. See if it's the anxiety we put in ourselves. See if it's a breakdown of our body, our immune system, our hormonal system because of fears and anxieties. He says, can you control that? Mm-hmm. So we spoke about how I can live my life different from my mum. And that's the only thing that I potentially get control over. So, and that is probably why, and I think my mum's illness, as difficult as it's been, has probably been one of the lessons and the blessings in my life to really evaluate, am I going to follow the same patterns of behaviour? Am I going to continue to think that the only way to be a wife or a mum is to fully give yourself to other people? Do I believe it's my job in life to take care of everybody else's feelings before my own? And the answer to that, I've come to the conclusion, is absolutely not. I have to start with myself. I have to start with my own self-care. I have to choose the things in life that I want to do and I don't feel duty-bound to do. So I've actually, my mum's illness has really sparked my curiosity about us as a family, me, myself. And again, if I can control that change, what are the changes I can make in my life? So if Alzheimer's or dementia is not hereditary, but it's environmental, how do I change my environment? How do I change the way I live? How do I change the way I present every single day? So that is probably a focus in my life. Thank you so much, Pauline, for sharing something that was, as you said at the start, was difficult to share, but I think gives so many women so much to think about in these words and in this wisdom. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much, Anne. Great to talk to you. Hello and thank you for joining me on this episode of What Do You Know For Sure podcast. If you would like to connect with me, you can do that across social media by searching Anne Hughes Ignite. 
If I refer to my radio show and the podcast, you can catch those on my Mixcloud. Again, just searching Anne Hughes Ignite. And if you or anybody you know want to answer this question with me, please do get in touch. Just go onto my website, annehughesignite.co.uk and fill in the contact page at the bottom and I'll be delighted to have this conversation with you too. Thank you.